This podcast is a project of the Mass Cultural Council. We believe in the power of culture, the arts, humanities, and sciences to enrich communities, advance equity, and foster creativity. The humanities gives people time to reflect and think about issues in a different way than our daily living. Hi, I'm Anita Walker at the Mass Cultural Council, and welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. Our guest today is Jeff Chang, Academic Director of the Boston Clemente Course, and welcome to our program. Thanks very much. Now, we are big fans here at the Mass Cultural Council of the Clemente Course, which is operated by Mass Humanities, one of our great partner organizations. And I wonder if you could just kind of start out by describing what the whole Clemente program is, and and what is its purpose? I'll tell you what I tell prospective students, which is... If you enroll in the Clemente course, it's a year-long course. It's a college-level introduction to the humanities. It's taught in five parts. There's art history, literature, moral philosophy, American history, and writing. I'm the art historian, so I teach the art history part. We meet twice a week in the evenings. In Boston, we meet at uh, the Codman Square Health Center. And the classes are all taught in a seminar style. So that means it's not one person telling 20 people something, it's you know, 20 people having a conversation. And when people finish the course, they earn a certificate. If their work is college level, they earn six college credits from Bard College. So who are your students? Describe your students. Right, so there's a big range. I'll tell you the, the median student is like, would be an African-American woman in her 30s, maybe a kid or two, a partner or no partner, and she's either looking for a job or she's in a job where what often happens is uh, a, a promotion came up, but her boss told her, without an associate's degree, without a bachelor's degree, I'm afraid you can't apply for this job even though you're qualified. So those are the kind of people, but the range is huge. We have 20-year-olds, we have 70-plus, every race, every Every sort of immigrant nationality that that comes to Boston, we've had. Uh, We've had a lot of Haitians. Just because we're in Dorchester, there's a lot of Haitians in the area, a lot of people from the Caribbean as well, yeah. So I want to pull back the conversation just uh, up 10,000 feet. Um, Because you don't hear a lot of people talking about the humanities as an important thing to study these days. In fact, I believe I've read it's kind of losing spots, even in university curriculums. Right. And so here the Clementi program is bringing the study of humanities to people who, you know, maybe are struggling to just even be employed at all. So speak to that, will you? To begin with, Earl Shores, who is a journalist uh, and writer, he was he's the one who came up with the idea. And the idea did not originate from him. The idea originated from a woman he was interviewing. And when he asked her, you know, why are poor people stuck in a cycle of poverty, she said she, was, she didn't ask for job programs. She didn't ask for Excel or Microsoft Word. She asked for the humanities. She said lectures, the libraries, the opera, the museums. And he realized that the humanities gives people time to reflect and think about issues in a different way than our daily living. So Earl had his own thing. Earl thought that that would help people uh, sort of rise out of their circumstances. I've got a different approach to that. I think of humanities as uh, the dessert of human life. I mean, everything that we want to do, if, we, if, if you and I 
won the lottery, we would maybe we'd go to Paris. We'd sit at a cafe. We'd talk about life. That'd be philosophy. We'd go to the Louvre. That'd be art history. I am there. I'm you know? totally there. I've left the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess my point is that in some ways we we've been reserving or holding on to the humanities for people who are higher income, higher levels of education, but really they are a treasure for everyone to share. And that's part of what we're doing is we're just sharing the bounties of, of, of you know, all human history. In fact, there is that word human right smack dab in right. the very that's beginning right. and middle of the word humanities. Um, one of the things and, uh, that occurs to me as you sort of describe the student population and the cycle of poverty. Yeah. And the cycle of poverty sort of looks very, very sort of reactive, like always stumbling, always putting out a fire, always never having a chance to sort of really step back and think through. And studying philosophy and art history and literature gives people sort of a context and a perspective on which to put their own experiences in the middle. Yeah. Can I tell you a story about the the Greek play Antigone by Sophocles? It's about a a woman who is arguing with her uncle, who happens to be the, the king of the state, to have a proper burial for her brother. And there's lots of issues involved and we spent hours talking about it in class in the, with the philosophy teacher and talking about what's right and, you know, shouldn't everyone deserve a proper burial? And people tended to come down on Antigone's side. She thought that that was right. In 2013, you remember the after the Boston Marathon bombing, after one of the perpetrators was killed, a lot of communities refused to bury him. And we were just talking about that issue in class as news and everyone said no i live in boston i i don't want that man buried in my city and one of the students said but what about antigone and as you said it gave us a chance we had thought about it before we had worked out our our personal philosophies our personal moral issues and as an abstract not just reacting in the moment of you know the, the the news of the day but sort of having thought through these issues You know, one of the things that you're talking about and describing is something that really um, is hinged on the luxury of time. Yes. And um, I think back to sort of, well, it was the uh, aristocracy who had acres of leisure time. And so these were the readers of literature and the students of art history and waxed philosophical over the 12-foot dining room table. And um, it feels like people work harder and work longer. And the one thing, not just for the poor, but for like everybody in our technological age is missing time, which is sort of what you need for the kind of conversations you're having. It's true. It's true. And I'm embarrassed at how few books I've read this year. Partly, there's so much information coming at us all the time. Another story, I'll tell you, a a woman in the class a few years ago told me she was diagnosed with with a brain tumor. And she was the main breadwinner for the family. She was taking care of her parents, her children. And I said, you know, feel free to take time off. You know, if, if you don't want to finish this year, come back next year. She said, no. These are the two hours where I don't have to think about all that other stuff, where I'm just talking about a book. I can think about this book. And it's, it is it is a luxury. As to how we're going to produce more of that time for ourselves, I have no idea. I, I, I wish I knew. I thought technology was supposed to save us time, but evidently it's <laughs> working right. in the opposite. So I'm curious, how do you recruit students into this program? I mean, so 
hardworking people, people, you know, subsisting on at the poverty level. One thing a lot of them don't have is time. They're working multiple jobs. They don't have transportation. They're struggling to put food on the table. And you say, come and take an art history course. Right, how right, you, right. How do you get takers? Yeah, so, um, you know, we put up a lot of flyers uh, at local health centers, at libraries, at local gyms. Uh, one thing I've been doing recently is I just walk up and down Washington Street and there's a lot of barbershops, a lot of salons, and I walk in and say, hi, I'm giving a free college class. You know, I ostensibly I'm there to put up a flyer, but often I end up handing out flyers to people in the chairs. And we've got a great student this year who, who said, oh, I was sitting in a barber chair when you came in, and that's why I'm here. <laughs> I love that that is so analog. Yes, yes. <laughs> you did not use social media in that example. It's true. Although, I mean, it's sort of unavoidable, and, and, and we are starting to, like, try out, you know, Facebook ads and things like that. But the face-to-face meetings are the ones that sort of stick, you know. And, and one thing we haven't mentioned yet is that the, the students don't always finish. I mean, it's a big commitment to, to do a whole school year. It's a lot of work, and it's not easy. This has got to be a real challenge for some of your students to even stick with it for as long as you require to get through the course. It, it really is, yeah. So um, there's a lot of reading involved, and like even like five pages of philosophy can be very hard to digest. And it is twice a week. It's through the whole school year. And they, and a lot of people have different issues going on in their lives, and not everyone finishes. One thing I found, though, having done it for so long, is I'm getting messages, emails, uh, occasional phone calls or, or Facebook messages from previous students who tell me how much the course affected them and that they're now they're now in community college. They're, they've now started a, a business. They've now started a nonprofit. And when I look up these students, not all of them are the ones who graduated. So often it's just a few months in the course gives them this idea, uh, suggests a way forward for them. And it may not be the time to do it then, but they pick it up and they and they credit us, you know, to some small degree with helping them reach their vision. So you have a PhD in art history. Right. Do you teach at the university level as well? I don't. I just teach at Clemente. Is your approach different than it might be if you were at one of the universities in front of a class? Yes and no. I mean, on the one hand, I am trying to deliver the same content, the same level of information and um, to, the, to the students. I'm not trying to cheat them out of what we're saying is college level because it is. On the other hand, in the time I've been doing it, the students ask me questions that I never were, was asked in a college classroom. You know, they, they, they ask me the basic, how do you know that? And they don't accept, well, you know, Smith 1943 <laughs> said that. That doesn't make any sense to them. They want to know what the actual evidence is. And it's forced me to sort of go back and, and figure that out so I can tell them. And, and so it's made me, I think, a better teacher do you think that, um, especially if we're talking about students who are uh, coming out of poverty or some struggle or challenges in their lives, that in a way they have a stronger connection to some of the messages, whether it's Socrates or Aristotle yeah. or the artist or the the writer, than the privileged uh, student who's been groomed and trained to get the high AP scores and end up at the uh, elite university. I, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, when we talk about philosophical dilemmas, you, you know, 19-year-olds are complex people, but they're not as complex as 38-year-olds. So if you have that much more adult life and uh, conflicts that you've gone through, 
you can bring a lot more to the, the to the classroom. And sorry, another another little story is um, one of the first times I brought I, every year as the art historian, every year I bring the, the class to the Museum of Fine Arts and, and we walk around for a bit and they love it. And one of the first years I we were trying to get back on the bus and I, I sort of lost track of one of the students, couldn't figure out where she was. And when I finally found her, uh, I caught her stuffing a dollar into the donation box. And this was a student who, you know, we gave her bus fare to come to class all the time. She was not well off. And I don't know if she felt closer necessarily to the artists and the humanities, but but I sort of feel like that dollar in her household budget is worth so much more than the the splashy, you know, $1,000 gifts or $100,000 gifts that, that the museums get. And I thought that was like the most precious dollar that MFA ever got. So... What have you gotten out of doing this? You've done this for how long now? Uh, almost 20 years. 20 years. How yeah. have you changed? How have I? That's a great question. You know, it's a privilege to get to know these students. I, I've, I've met so many people. I've, I have such a more diverse uh, experience of humanity. I've made some excellent friends with students, with uh, teaching colleagues, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. interrupt and ask a question. Sure. And this is really going to put you on the spot. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Over the 20 years, do you think your attitude toward people who are in more challenging circumstances has changed? Yes. I'm, I'm certainly less ignorant about people in general. One one thing I've, I've found is there are brilliant people who are just stymied in our society for lack of resources, for lack of opportunity. But that doesn't say anything about their potential or, or, or who they are. And, um, and certainly that's changed. I mean, I hope I wasn't a terrible person before, but, but I certainly was ignorant. And, and certainly this, it's, it's been, what's the opposite of ignorant? It's been enlightening to get to know these people and, and spend time with them in the classroom. Everybody deserves the humanities. It really is part of who we are. It really is. It really is. And it, it's um, it's wonderful to, to see people, as I said, you know, you know, they say that teachers, it's a job where you don't really get the benefits until like three or four years out. And it is great when I do occasionally get these messages saying, you know, I, I look out my 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 uh, commute on the bus differently because I'm looking at the architecture and I'm, I'm looking and seeing Greek architecture and, and Gothic architecture. And it's wonderful. Jack Ching, Academic Director of the Boston Clementi Course, another one of our creative minds out loud. Thank you so much. To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.